Christ is risen. He is risen Hallelujah. Dear saints, the resurrection continues to bring us joy and peace and life and comfort, and including today, and the text that we have before us from John chapter 20, which is simply a beautiful text. The account of the account of Easter evening, and then the very next week as well. It's the evening of the first Easter, and ten disciples are gathered together in the upper room. Judas is missing. He had destroyed himself already. And Thomas is out. He's gone as well. But the ten are there. They're locked up. They're afraid, and they're confused. And into their midst comes Jesus. And he says, get this, He says, peace be with you. This, dear saints, is what Jesus has accomplished in his death. Peace. It's what he brings to us by his resurrection. Peace. Jesus declares peace. Peace is, dear saints, simply the absence of war. And this is what Jesus accomplishes. Now, I've heard preachers in the church want to offer to the Lord's people a different definition of peace. They want to say that peace is something that's inside of you, a calm in your heart. They they mean well, I think, when they say that. They're trying to understand how Jesus can bring to us peace when everything in the world is falling apart. There are still wars. There are still nations fighting against nations. There are still disasters everywhere and tragedy and trouble and sickness and pain and all of this. If everything around us is falling apart, then if Jesus is going to give us peace, then it's going to be peace on the inside. But this is wrong. Jesus doesn't give us peace on the outside or on the inside. I don't think it takes much to prove it. Just pause for a minute and listen to your conscience. And see how much peace is there. Or, or just think of all the promises that you've made but haven't kept. All of the things that you've wanted to accomplish with this life and, and haven't. All of the people that you've hurt. All of the times that you've listened to the voice of the devil instead of the voice of Jesus. Just think of these things. And we realize fairly quickly that even inside of us there is a war being waged. St. Paul says it like this. This is Romans 7, 22 to 24. I delight in the law of God in my inner being, but I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind and making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in me, in my members. Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? There is a war outside of it. There's war and conflict outside of us. And there is a war that is inside of us. What then does Jesus mean when he says he comes to bring, to bring peace? If war, if we're surrounded by war and conflict, what, what possibly could Jesus mean by these words? Here, here's two verses. Two marvelous Bible verses that we should meditate on every Easter time really our whole lives, the last verse of Romans chapter 4 and the first verse of Romans chapter 5. Jesus, writes St. Paul to the church in Rome, Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses and raised up 
for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus was delivered up for our trespasses. That, that is the death on the cross. He was raised up for our justification. That's Easter and the forgiveness of our sins. And the result of this, says St. Paul, is that we have peace with God. This is simply marvelous. It goes back to the beginning, to, to the very beginning, when the devil was there in the garden and he declared war on God and he enlisted Adam and Eve and all of humanity in this war, into his cause, into fighting with the Lord, but the Lord wouldn't have it, remember? He refused to war against man. I will put war, says Jesus to the devil in the garden, I will put war between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed. I will not fight with humanity. The Lord is not content to fight against us, to destroy us, to go to war against us. But the problem is our sin, because it's precisely what our sin demands. Every sin of ours, every breaking of the commandments, every false word, every crooked thought, every, un, uh, every selfish, unloving act is a declaration of war against God. But Jesus brings that war to an end on the cross by taking your sin, by taking your failure, by taking your guilt, by taking all of your offense and suffering the con consequences of it. And so he dies so that his blood could cover your sin, and he was raised to give that forgiveness to you. And this forgiveness of sins, this absolution, is his declaration of victory that the war between heaven and earth, the war between you and God, that war is over. Peace be with you. It doesn't mean an end of wars between nations. It doesn't mean the war inside of you stops. In fact, when Jesus declares peace with God, that war inside of us intensifies and grows worse the longer we're Christians. It means, dear saints, that the war between you and God is over, that God is not mad at you. And this is why what happens next in the Gospel text in John 20 happens. Verses 20 to 23. When Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you, as the Father has sent me, even so I send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. Jesus does this funny thing. He breathes on his disciples, gives them his Holy Spirit, so that they would go throughout the world, letting everyone in every corner of this place know that this war is ended, that the devil is bound that the grave now stands open, that sin is forgiven, that Jesus was crucified, crucified and raised, and that now there is peace between God and man. And all of this good news is bottled up and condensed 
for us in the forgiveness of our sins, in the absolution, in the declaration of your sins loosed. How absolutely marvelous. Jesus wants us to have the benefit of his death and his resurrection. And he gives it to us in the absolution. Dear saints, when you hear these words, I forgive you all your sins, you are hearing the sound of Jesus crying out with his last breath on the cross. You are hearing the sound of His blood, the very blood of God, covering you and washing away all of your sins. When you hear the absolution, you are hearing the sound of the doors of heaven being thrown wide open. You're you're hearing the sound of the devil's footsteps getting farther and farther away. You are hearing the sound of your conscience breathing a sigh of relief. You are hearing the sound of the verdict of the heavenly courtroom that will be spoken on the last day, spoken now, spoken of you, innocent, righteous, pure, holy, forgiven. You are hearing the sound of everything that Jesus has done. In those simple words, your sins are forgiven. And we cannot hear this enough. And praise the Lord. He cannot speak it enough. People have asked me before, Pastor, if sins are forgiven in baptism, why do we need to have church service to have forgiveness of sins? If, if sins are forgiven in the absolution at the beginning of the service, then why do we need to have the Lord's Supper at the end of the service? The answer is, quite simply, Jesus loves to forgive. He loves to forgive you. He can't do it enough. Everything we have in the church is this way. And if you need more forgiveness, if the divine service doesn't settle your conscience, then drop into the office. We'll have private confession and absolution because Jesus loves to forgive sins. We see it in the text. Jesus came to speak peace and he spoke it to his disciples twice, but he missed someone Thomas was out at the grocery store or something. But Jesus comes back. He's not happy to miss Thomas. Eight days later, when the disciples were having their first quasi-modo service, <laughs> eight days later, his disciples were inside again. Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but Jesus came and stood among them and says it again, peace be with you. And then to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Thrust your hand into my side. Don't be unbelieving, but believing. And Thomas answers, My Lord and my God. You believe, Thomas, because you've seen me. Blessed are those that have believed and yet have not seen. And Jesus did many other signs that if they were written, uh, there wouldn't be enough room for them. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing that you may have life in His name. Everything Jesus does is for this end, to this purpose, to come to this point that your sins would be forgiven. And so, dear saints, I have a message. I have a message to you from Jesus, from His cross, 
from his empty tomb. From Jesus, who was crucified, dead, buried, raised, and ascended to the right hand of the Father. His message is this. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead, and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all your sin. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Peace be with you. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.